0: You're breaking up with an identity in some ways, right? That's hard. You're transitioning from who you've always been in service. There's an identity that's attached to all of that and a way of life that's attached that the civilian life doesn't doesn't work that way. And so breaking up with an identity and, and learning how to be who you've been for the last 10, 15, 20 years or, or whatnot, and then adapting that, those aren't skills that are inherently taught to individuals, service or not.
1: everybody, welcome to episode 10 of the Live Deep podcast. Um, we've got a, a just a super, super important conversation um, we're about to have here and couldn't be more privileged to host Chase Zyke. He and I were, were laughing. If you look at his name on the episode, it, it's actually over his uh, shoulder there. It does not look like Zyke, but his, <laughs> his name is Chase Zyke. Chase is uh he a background in in counseling. He's the executive director for just an amazing organization called Healing Warriors. We're gonna get into to who they are and what they do. But Chase, welcome to the show. Thanks for
0: being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here.
1: Yeah, thank you. I know we we almost did this in person. We had some some issues pop up. I was he he's actually in northern Colorado, not far from me, but life happens. We're adjusted we're here virtual, but uh but Chase, again, thanks for being here. So so Chase, Healing Warriors, um, I'm just gonna give an, an overview of what I know. And then we're gonna get into not only you know who Healing Warriors is and who you support, but also your story and, and and how you're involved and why you're involved. But Healing Warriors is a suicide prevention program out of Fort Collins, Colorado, here in NOCO, as they say. It's a 501 C three nonprofit mission. And this is where it's just it's incredible. Uh, non-narcotic care for veterans and eligible family members at no cost. Um, And I'm just going to read a a quote that I found that just hit me when I was preparing for this. And then we're going to dive deep on healing warriors and, and veterans and preventing suicides. But quote, we envision a suicide free world where veterans and their families can thrive. A suicide free world. Wow. What a mission. It's particularly for veterans. So, so Chase, man, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. How'd you get involved with Healing Warriors? And then we'll, we'll kind of go into the amazing work you do.
0: Uh, so, yep, uh, I am a a uh, father of two. My wife and I just moved to Severance uh, uh, a few months ago. i uh, been in Colorado for about three years now. Uh, my background is in behavioral health, as you mentioned, uh, focusing with kids and families and individuals uh, as they work through some significant mental health struggles, uh, whether it be you know, your, your PTSDs, bipolar disorders, autism spectrum, all the way through family, family struggles. Um, and so I've been doing that since 2009. And then this last year, almost exactly, uh, I've been with the healing warriors program. It has been, uh, working with this population, with this team, with this mission has been one of the uh, more rewarding, uh, times of my life. Uh, and, and I can't, it's really hard to describe, uh, what it feels like on a day-to-day to do, to do work like this.
1: Yeah. But we're going to, we're going to try to describe it here. So, <laughs> so with, with the background there coming in the, more of the family setting, working with children, um, doing amazing work in that area, talk us through what, what have you learned? What has surprised you? What's that change been like moving from, from serving families and children to the veteran community? How's it been different?
0: It's funny. The, the, there are some similarities um, in that the barriers are, are present, but they're just pre- they're presented differently. The barriers um, of accessibility typically are are very very similar. So for veterans generally, separate of healing warriors, they're often struggling with uh, how to get care that meets their needs in an individualized way, or getting care that is non judgmental or non threatening, or at least the perception of of threatening. Um, and, and I think kids and families often felt the same way too. Um, And to get really high-quality care, often kids and families had to fail their way up to high-quality care because the good stuff costs money, and many of those folks didn't have it. And at Healing Warriors, um, this is what attracted me to it. It is accessible, it is trauma-informed, and it's individualized. It's not being replicated anywhere that that I found nationally.
1: So talk about—well, stay with accessibility for a second, and I'm going to throw another word in there, awareness— um, so, so I'm a veteran and let's just say hypothetically, and, and thank God, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not struggling with any type of mental health issues in, in that area, right? But, but let's just say I'm sitting here in Timnath, Colorado for the listeners, we're in a place called NOCO, Northern Colorado. Um, Healing Warriors offices is, is probably 15 minutes away from where I'm sitting. Chase, if I'm here, if I'm sitting here and I'm having some problems with sleep and trauma, and I'm aware of it, I'm struggling with my family, what have you, and I get to a point where I decide, you know what, I'm going to outwardly seek help. Walk me through, to like, an uninformed or maybe just a little bit naive, inexperienced veteran who just knows they need help but don't know what avenue to take, walk me through, like, what you, what path I would take and then how I would find Healing Warriors. In a perfect
0: world, you would have seen, uh, you would have found us through you know some of our social media, you know advertisements or posts, or if you're associated with the local VFWs or American Legions. Once you have heard of us, there are two big ways that you will uh, that you can reach out to us either through email. There's a form on the website at HealingWarriorsProgram.org uh, that you fill out, or the phone. Uh, a phone call nine seven zero seven seven six eight three eight seven or Vets V E T S and honestly if you call you speak to Tim Sandy or Emma and you'll have an intake appointment probably within thirty six hours.
1: Let's let's go a different route. So if I let's just say I didn't for some reason if I didn't because what I want to try to unpack here is how do how do veterans get to you and then also how is the care and treatment that healing warriors would deliver different? What I'll just use the word, like maybe traditional. I don't know if that's the right word, but let's just say I hadn't heard of healing warriors and hypothetically, I reached out, I called a local VA, a VA hospital or something. Is that what,
0: is that what veterans might do? They might, uh, if they're connected with their local, like VSO, if you're connected with, let's use the VSO because lots of veterans who are uncomfortable with working directly with the VA will work with, with our local VSO um his name is his name is lee uh, lee cooper and he will give you our card and they're down the road from us and he may even bring you over to come see us to tell us to tell about what we do
1: so he would bring you over there so how would the treatment be different for let's just say talk about like the intake process for any type of like broad spectrum mental health issue, whatever, what would healing warriors do that maybe is different than say the general public who's pursuing a mental health, you know, treatment or anything like that. Walk us through the difference.
0: So you shared what our vision is, which is a suicide free world where veterans and their families can thrive. Right. And the, the sentence before that, that we like to say is that we provide non-narcotic care. And so non-narcotic care is a, is a great way of describing it in a very concise two word kind of uh summary, uh, but it doesn't say a lot. And so when you come to an int- when you come into the office, it'll look and feel like a typical doctor's office. But after that, that's really where the similarities uh, stop. We wanted to bring the best of Western medicine, take away some of the things that people don't like and that aren't benefiting from, and replace them with more alternative, uh, holistic or Eastern medicine modalities. What are some of the things uh, in Western medicine that people don't like? We don't provide any medications of any kind. Um, so there's no prescriptions. There's no opioids. There's no painkillers. There's nothing that you would ingest or anything that we would put into you that is not natural. You no know, pain meds, nothing, not even aspirin. And and also another part of some of the, uh, and I'm sure you've experienced this, when insurance companies kind of are the ones paying the bill, there are certain paths that doctors, nurses, and offices have to take to stay within the parameters of, uh, of how they're going to be reimbursed. We don't, have, we don't have that. We have some guidelines based on, you know, licensing with the state and, and what the best practices are for what we do, um, but those are much bigger than the narrow paths of insurance. And so uh, we bridge the gap by doing non-narcotic care through acupuncture, craniosacral therapy, and healing touch.
1: Okay, let's let's hit that second one. I think most people know what acupuncture is, and if you don't, look it up. <laughs> what, what was the, uh, the the second one there, Chase?
0: It's craniosacral therapy, and so that one is light touch that examines the membranes of the uh, central nervous system to provide relief. And almost to me, these are my words as how I experienced it, like a reset of of that system, right? And so a lot of like high-end athletes who have experienced concussions saw symptom relief and some healing using craniosacral therapy. And so the same is true for veterans that have experienced like TBIs or post-traumatic stress or significant pain in in areas. It helps promote a healing. I'm going to say reset again, because that's the word that best fits my experience was um, a reset to those areas. Um, And so it is Incredibly light, subtle touch by the craniosacral therapist to examine those areas and they sense and they feel what's wrong or misplaced or what's blocked.
1: I love where we're going with this. I'm going to go into more detail. And I just want to comment too on just anecdotally, my reaction to the idea that these alternate, in my words, alternative, not medicines, but alternative methods to achieve the same goal, which is healing and health, right? Uh, live deep, it's the name of the show it's the tagline of our company live deep means and i'll get back to responding to you but live deep really what it means in, in a loosely definition here is how do we how do we live present and and basically disconnected from or absent from the need to ingest or to insert things into our lives just to do life on the daily how do we live present in all of our faculties so that we can have joy in life and we cannot have anxiety scattered thoughts, all of the things, right? So when I think about, like, for me, anytime I have an ailment or anytime I have an issue, even if it's pain, I mean, right now I'm nursing, I have a herniated disc from squatting. We won't go into it. But my instinct is I don't want to take anything. For whatever reason, it's my instinct. It's I, I, if I can get through it on my own, that is my choice. So the idea, and I have struggled with mental health throughout most of my life, but my, the idea that there's something out there for me that wouldn't require me to become dependent on a medication is extremely liberating, and it resonates with me with what I would want. So I can see why a veteran or, frankly, anybody would walk through your doors to have that ability to be treated without being dependent on a, quote, substance like medicine. Sorry for the speech, but it moves me yeah. to know that there's, there's options out there like healing warriors, frankly.
0: You know, if you're coming in with pain, let's say, right, let's say you've got shoulder pain. Lots of people experience um, the effects of a painkiller, right, but that lasts for several days without the side effects. So without the side effects of drowsiness, um, without the side effects of the fear of addiction, without the side effects of thinking when the next pill is due, right, and and all those kind of things. So, you know, we have a, a client who needs significant shoulder surgery. And they came in for craniosacral and went pain-free pain, th- pain free for three days for the first time in their lives in years. Wow. And didn't even have localized treatment to the ailment? It was it was the other
1: procedure and it helped them with the It was
0: their sequencing and patterns on how they promote healing in certain areas. And she went pain-free for three days. And so there's, there's that. You'll get the effect of a significant painkiller without the rest of it, right? Now, it's not curing anything. It didn't. Fix the shoulder, but it made it livable, right? And so if you're having a mental health struggle, right, this isn't talk therapy. We don't do counseling uh, or or any of the such, but you get the cathartic experience of a really good, healthy therapy session without having to say a word. And so you get this release, this, this sense of calm or uh, relief or healing without having to dive deeply with words what you've experienced. If
1: healing warriors is not providing direct talk therapy are, are is your work done in partnership with therapists? So is that same, are they getting therapy outside of healing warriors and then also working with you all?
0: We, we do ask those questions and we do, uh, depending on the grant program and depending on what we're, um, with their what with each client or patient is presenting with we do have probably about 400 resource resource oh what's the word has be one of those mulligans. refer referrals thank you That's one referral sources uh, in different categories that we that we vetted ourselves right and okay. so that they' they understand what we do we understand what they do oftentimes we have a contact person to directly put people in place but in since we don't work with Counseling specifically, we do partner with state level VA affairs or uh, VA organizations and then federal organizations, but then also community providers throughout uh, the front range. At the state and federal level, we do partner with uh, those entities that have uh, either funded care through the state for veteran affairs or through the, the federal government through the VA, right? And so we partner with them because. Those are oftentimes uh, the most accessible areas, but they're also the most, veterans are the most resistant or most hesitant to engaging in care in those ways. So we do expand out to other community-based organizations that are veteran-friendly or provide veteran-friendly services that we don't provide. So individual counselors, food insecurity stuff, joblessness, all those kind of things. We have resources for a lot of those that are separate from state and federally funded uh, programs. Quick wrap, not
1: rabbit hole, but a quick rabbit divot. Um, twice you've said, uh, this time you used the word hesitancy, that there's a hesitancy in the veteran community to pursue those types of resources that help. Earlier on, you said something similar. Why do you think there is a hesitancy or maybe a skepticism around in the veteran community around some of the organizations and people that are there to help them?
0: You know, it's, it's a really good question. and I wish I had direct experiences uh, to, to share them from. So some of this is, you know, what, what has been told to me since my, my work with Healing Warriors, but then also friends and family that have dealt with uh, difficulties within the, you know, sort of the VA system at, at large. Um, and, and as a disclaimer, I think it's important. We have our largest suicide prevention program is funded by the VA. We could talk about that because I think it's, it's really, really important uh, what, what is available and how it's different. But we do, uh, our largest grant is through the VA. Um, and so I, that's an important disclaimer to say and we're, we're really proud to have that, uh, that grant, especially for the work that we do. Most men and women who have experienced care with the VA um, typically have a really bad experience to start with, whether that's their customer service or an unclear answer, or it's rooted in because a lot of our uh, our veterans right now are from the Vietnam era, right? And so there's a lot of trust on on what what happened over there, what is causing some of their ailments, and what they're entitled to because of their service to our country. So um, a lot of it is, is rooted in mistrust or distrust, and just not great experiences with with those um, organizations. And there's some that have loved every experience they've had. It's 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 dependent on the
1: the individual, I guess. I, just a, a, a quick so w- with Altum, you know, there's there's a fitness app that we're building, but we also have a companion community where we have habit change programs. And one of those programs around, it's, it's you, you like the word reset, but it's called the AF30, Ultimate Fitness 30 Day Alcohol Reset. And what it is, is every single day, and it's built on science, but there's video and content and actions and things to do to bring people from wherever they find themselves on the spectrum of alcohol use disorder to wherever they want to go. So if it's 30 days without drinking, great. If it's Cutting back drinking, great. All that to say, when we built that course, me being a veteran and having so many veterans in my my family, we wanted to give it away to veterans for free. So when I set out on that mission to basically just make people aware of it, one of the places I went to was a place called Reddit. Most of us have heard of it, unless you've been in there, you might not know what it is. But it's just massive free community for people to kind of gather around certain topics and share information and talk. Sometimes it's entertainment, sometimes it's formative, but there is a um, there's a, it's called a subreddit, but there's a, there's a subreddit kind of page called, called VA benefits. And I thought, great, I can go in there. These are people seeking some type of like health benefits. And I can just say, Hey, there's this thing called Altum Tribe. There's a free course for you. Like go in, go get it. Just go sign up. No strings attached. And while I was going through that process, I was just watching the conversations that were happening in there. And literally all this to say, Chase, I think for my own answer to that question, like why is there frustration or skepticism? I think it's, it's immediacy and access and timing and bureaucracy. I, I see people in there that are just frustrated how long it's taking them to get the care that they think that they need and kind of the, the lack of intimacy and contact that they feel. And because there's so many veterans that need help. And I think there's just not enough resources and people and humans on the other end of that phone or computer that are responding to them and the timeliness that they need. Um, and that's just my impression of of being in there and, and kind of answering my own question there, which yeah. makes me realize, again, back to the hypothetical to kick off the episode, if I needed help and I was aware of healing warriors, and I could walk in the door and sit down with a human with a form that asks me questions, and then I can get that care quickly. And then when I'm also learning about your organization, it sounds like, you're being, healing worries is being, is getting referees, getting patients sent to them. And also if you uncover that someone needs additional care, whether it's talk therapy and whatnot, you can refer people, your clients outward to other people. But what I'm hearing, which is impressive is it sounds like it's like interconnected kind of network of care providers that really care for veterans, that once they meet you, you're going to take care of them, whatever their needs are.
0: Yep. And, and just to tell a quick story that we had, I want to say is about this time last month, it was right around the holidays. We had someone, a veteran, walk in who was struggling. We had never met this veteran before. We had never met. Uh, we knew nothing about them. Uh, they walked in um, and they were, they were having a really difficult time. Uh, we were able to be flexible on what our intake looked like to start with um, so that that person can get Either acupuncture, I forget which one it was, healing touch or craniosacral therapy uh, that same day. So within 45 minutes, I want to say, of of that person walking in, they were receiving treatment, give or take a few minutes in there. And, and you're just not going to find that outside of an emergency room, right? And that's at no cost? No cost. If you're, a, if you're an, an eligible veteran, uh, which is pretty much anyone that does not have a uh, dishonorable discharge.
1: Yeah. Got it. That's important to differentiate there. That's beautiful, man. What, what amazing work. That someone could walk in and then same day get that care. It could be life-saving care. And let's let's pivot there. You mentioned suicide. Um, I was going to go into a little more details of some of the, the non-narcotic care, but you mentioned the grant and everything. So let's talk about suicide for a little bit, if, if that's okay with you. Maybe we'll leave with some statistics. I think the general public knows that suicide is a serious issue for veterans i mean it's such a no-brainer yes of course it's serious it couldn't be any more serious in terms of mental health issues but i think most people know it's an issue for veterans what what's some data whether it's colorado national but where are we at in 2024 with with suicides and vets what's going on and and then of course i want to get into what healing warriors can do about it
0: the numbers i want to reference here right and i'll try and do this as concisely as i can without pretending like i'm a statistician uh (laughs) but uh This report is the 2023 Veterans Administration suicide report for year 2021. Suicide rates remain elevated a little bit. They remain relatively stable, um, which is not great because they didn't go down. But what this report tells us is that there are two specific demographics that are at incredibly high risk. So 18 to 34 is about 55. Suicides per 100,000, which is significantly higher than the average population. What's your guess on the average population? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I don't want to misquote it, but it's it's less than that for adults. I think, again, disclaimer, I, I, I believe adolescents, especially female adolescents, are probably at a similar high rate. No, it's, a, it's significantly higher. So 18 to 34-year-olds are, are the highest um, in the veteran community, males, uh, in general, excuse me. Female veterans of any age are the ultimate highest, though. Um, and I think the numbers are that almost half of female veterans uh, experience some level of military sexual trauma while they serve. Um, but they are almost three times more likely than the general population to commit suicide.
1: Female veterans are, are committing suicide at a higher percentage than males in general. And did you say that half, it's estimated half of female veterans will have suffered through some type of sexual harassment. That's alarming. That's a whole nother conversation.
0: VA just released. It's about one in three women. So 33%. I was a little, I was a little higher estimate.
1: Do you think that I'm going to ask about whether that trend for veterans is going up or down based on like the, the time of war you mentioned Vietnam era, you have the Gulf war, you know, I've got, is it stable throughout? This is like a, chronic prevailing
0: it's pretty stable and I, and this is a public report so i can share this with you it's it's pretty stable uh it's increasing for many of the ages though um the only real significant decrease was older veterans so things like 70 plus
1: this next question is probably impossible to answer in an in an, an hour conversation but trauma exposure to significant trauma like capital t trauma but why fifty five out of one hundred thousand? That's so many. What what's happening in that community? And then, let's talk about what we can do about it.
0: So I wish I had a really straightforward answer. So I'm gonna try and, and and give some grace to you know our, our our government, our sort of just society in general, how we understand and and um, engage with what suicide is, what causes it, and what prevents it is is going to remain behind, I think, uh, the rates. Does that make sense? So how we understand and how what we do with that understanding will always lag behind. There's a lag between how we understand what we have and how we change it. I think that's part of it, but then each suicide is individualized to the path they got to that moment and then what they did with that moment. So the VA estimates that uh, for a veteran, this is not the general population, but for a veteran, The moment or the time of a suicide is roughly about an hour, hour and 10 minutes. So think about 70 minutes from the decision to do it and executing on it. And so you're looking at an hour of time that we're we're being asked to predict and prevent. It's challenging in that each veteran, in each individual person, veteran aside, experiences their life in different ways, right? Their stressors are different. How they manage their stressors are different. What help they receive is different. What social supports they have, what financial supports they have—all these things make it a very complicate or complex uh, individualized experience. And getting to each individualized experience is incredibly difficult. And veterans produce their own uh, set of challenges because of their training. You know, especially if you you were served for twenty plus years and retired right as a as an officer or, or wherever, um, the training of resilience training of surviving, the training of uh, all those things to make you physically and mentally tough and and resilient don't always work for you after. Um, And there's I'm trying to find the number as I'm talking, but there's some of the highest risks outside of what I've already said is that first year of transition from service to civilian life. The highest rates across all ages are in that first year transition, right? Because some of the skills that you may have learned don't always transition to being a, you don't know, an auto mechanic or a family man or you know what i mean or you know relaxing for a few minutes here and there you know i didn't answer the why uh i answered that it's complicated and in complex and it's really hard for providers whether they're places like us the va or state level entities to to wrap their hands around and, and get to each veteran.
1: No, I, I think you are answering it. It's just, it's it's a complicated answer. It's couldn't be more unique, a tribe, and more a unique experience than someone that gets into a tribe like that with the purpose and the camaraderie and the consistency and, and the values and all those things, and then has to transition out of it. And then adjust to life. So I think just knowing that it's it's in that transitional period that presents that unique challenge, that there's something very different and unique happening during that time period. And it leads me to presume, and I want to hear you respond to this, but loneliness, isolation, hopelessness, are those common themes or feedback?
0: I think I would agree with you. And I think um, I almost... And this is how I thought of it when I was trying to understand, you know, kids, families and individuals that were struggling before my work with, with veterans. You're breaking up with an identity in some ways. Right. That's hard. You're transitioning from who you've always been in service. Right. Which is depending on your branch, depending on your, your level of uh, if you're an officer and how high up you were, like there's there's an identity that's attached to all of that in a way of life that's attached that the civilian life doesn't doesn't work that way. And so breaking up with an identity and, and learning how to be who you've been for the last 10, 15, 20 years or, or whatnot, and then adapting that, those aren't skills that are inherently taught to individuals, service or not. But to answer your question with stats, from 2019 to 2021, these are veterans that received care through the VA within the last year prior to their suicide death. 30.6% had hopelessness. Seventeen percent had written a suicide note, previous. Uh, Twenty-four percent had financial loss. Thirty-three percent, or almost thirty-four percent, had relationship problems. Eighteen percent felt alienated. Fourteen percent had a perceived burden to others, and then the you know the highest top three highest, which is interesting, or top four highest: pain in the year prior to death, sleep problems, health problems. In a recent decline in physical activity. So over those two or three years, those that have died by suicide who receive VA care, which is, look at the number here, about 2,600 veterans. Gosh, so in some instances, those warning signs are there. The, the warning signs that the, the general population doesn't attribute to suicide, I think if you were to ask the general American, what are some leading factors of suicide, I think a lot of them would be able to say trauma, depression, uh, maybe like a significant loss, maybe they lost their job, like, you know, the, those kind of things. They'd be able to, but I recent pain, sleeplessness, uh, decrease in physical activity or cognitive decline, I don't think we would attribute those to suicide uh, risk.
1: No, we wouldn't. We wouldn't. And just a, just a quick public service announcement. When I hear that and I, obviously what goes back in my mind is I'm listening, I'm digesting the data, and I'm also thinking like, what, what the hell can I do to, to try to help? It's like, I think that the little the little things matter. And I think anybody listening, if you just know of a veteran who is separating from the service, whether that's a cousin or a friend, uh, whatever it is, like if you hear about someone that's like, hey, this person's entering into the general public from that service, reach out. And it could be like, just shoot him, a, shoot him an Instagram, you know, direct message, say, hey, I'm so ha- so happy and proud of your service, and you know stay connected, whatever. But I feel like there's little things that we could probably do collectively that will make those people feel appreciated and supported. Because I'm I'm assuming when they get to that place where they they're feeling hopelessness and all those things, it would mean the world if if people just like thank them and reminded you know how how grateful we are. And then a, a question that I have is. You're sitting, Chase, you and Healing Words, you're sitting on the other side of that transition and helping people either during the transition or post-transition, like these Vietnam vets who are absolute heroes, by the way. Um, I, I want to know, and I don't know that I'm just riffing and talking to you, but our United States government knows these statistics and knows that the transition is is one of the harder, more difficult challenges for their veterans. Are they also addressing that like pre-transition period as those vets soon to be vets as they're getting discharged what are they doing to orient them to this new world that they're stepping into or re-stepping into after serving it's like i see it as you got to be doing the work on both sides preparing them for the transition and then assisting them in the transition and then obviously afterwards but are they
0: focusing on that I am I'm not sure but what what I think this is whether you knew it or not is a good transition to the grant that we've received because I do think it speaks to a little bit about what they're what they what they're trying to do or what they want to do. Um, and so the the grant we received is called the Staff Sergeant Parker Gordon Fox Suicide Prevention Grant. Or as we just call it SSG Fox. Staff Sergeant Parker Gordon Fox uh, committed suicide a handful of years ago and the his story was it, it found its way through the you know, the upper levels of the VA and, and, and government. And so I can't remember the year that the legislation was actually passed, but uh, in 2022, they released a notice of funding, which is what they do for any grant program, whether it's VA care or veteran care or, you know, energy plants, right? There's a notice of funding and it was a pilot program for three years. So it'd be years 2022 to 2023, 23 to 24, 24 to 25 or community-based organizations to be funded by the VA to provide suicide prevention care in their individual ways. So we, don't, we provide things that the VA doesn't provide inherently, right? They have some acupuncture clinics for sure, but the other things they don't provide. And so we are one of 85 recipients across the nation to receive this funding uh, now two years in a row And it enables us to provide suicide prevention care at higher, more enhanced ways while crafting it around the care that we already do. As I understand, and this is how I have synthesized the information that I've read and learned about, the VA wasn't reaching as many veterans as as they hoped for. But they knew that veterans were trying to receive care in their local communities. And so if we spread the net wider and we spread the funding wider and give it to the people where veterans are going to, where they trust where they're putting suicide prevention into the places that veterans are going to. So trust has already developed, a presence in the community is developed, and the net is wider so that we're stopping suicides at the local level. So this is a pilot program. It's been an incredible experience. It has really expanded what we're capable of doing these past 18 months or so.
1: Wow. Yeah, I'm looking. It looks like he was 25 years old uh, when, he, when he committed suicide. It looks like um, so that's, that's a beautiful thing that our government's doing. So essentially, what they're saying is like, look, we want to reach people. If we're not reaching people, then we're going to invest in local people who are going to reach people. Like, if you've got the relationships out there, healing warriors, here's some money to, to, to take what you're doing to the next level and reach more people. That's beautiful.
0: It really is. And it and really helps us in, in, in two, uh, three primary areas. It expanded um, what type of suicide screenings we were providing, and then it helped uh, pay for the staff to provide those screenings, right? And then uh, second, it expands what outreach we're able to do. So outreach for, for us is what are our strategies, our tactics, our, our movements to bring an individual veteran into us? And so it expanded our ability to do that. And then lastly, it funds care the services that we provide for about a year, maybe a little bit more. And it lets us configure it in ways that we wouldn't have been able to do before.
1: The tactics to get more veterans into your web um, feels challenging to me because a lot of those, the survey respondents from those VA patients that you talked about, a lot of that feedback probably doesn't come out. And if it does come out and get out, it's in these very like isolated moments. And what I mean is I'm presuming that part of your outreach to get more veterans help you have to be plugged in with all of the local healthcare facilities. Like up here in Colorado, you have UC health. I'm sorry, but this is just the way my mind works, like executing in strategy. It's like the, every single family practitioner that a veteran could walk in that door and fill out a survey. One of those like symptom surveys, fill in this bubble. How much depression have you felt in the last 10 years, whatever they need to be aware of like the alarming statistics around that community and then immediately act and send that person to where they need to get help. A little bit of a diatribe by me, but I can see the challenge that you have knowing that there's veterans all over the place that could become that statistic. And it's like, how do you get in front of them and prevent before that hour mark starts ticking, before they make that decision? How do you get in front of them to prevent that? And that's a challenging work.
0: The layer just below that is, um, so yes, we have these these big providers in the area. We have, but who are the ones that the veterans trust, right? So if, if they're given a recommendation to go somewhere, where, where do we trust? Because if you have a if you have a big base of veterans who who in their families who trust us, right? Word of mouth from them is way more impactful than, you know, nurse A in at Poudre Valley Hospital in Fort Collins, right? Who does who do wonderful work. That's where our second child was born. And they were fantastic. But it's like, how do you pair the two, right? How do you bridge the gap between everybody so that um veterans are met with care, compassion, understanding, and and help.
1: There's a little bit of a, not a little bit, there's a lot of bit of a stigma, especially in men, about what it could mean about us if we need mental health treatment. Or to put it this way, and this is the negative voice, it's like, if we can't cope with the burden that we have mentally, there's that stigma, which most definitely prevents people from doing outreach. And that to say, you know what I would do if if I was sitting here and like day after day, you said sleep is an issue, I couldn't sleep, intrusive thoughts, just not happy. Do you know what I would do? I would Google, I would put in, do I have stress? Do I have trauma? Do I have PTSD? What can I do? Like that's where I would start. So I would imagine a big part of your strategy has to be digital. It has to be inserting yourselves, whether it's an ad, or branding something online because that's where people are comfortable searching in the privates, the privacy of their home. That's probably the first step. It's like, what are my options, and then I'll engage when I feel comfortable. So I'm assuming, like digital, just like any other like for profit company, you got to get out there in front of people on their laptops and their computer screens. Yeah,
0: search engine optimization is a, is a huge part of of last year. You know, we'll talk about the future later, and it's a huge part of what we're, we we want to do moving forward because. That outreach question, right? We have some really strong tie-ins with the older veteran community, just based upon our base of patients, right? But those eighteen to fifty-year-olds, roughly, right, and in women, that's that's the that's the minority demographic for us, right? And so we need to find creative ways to to reach out to those folks. Where are they getting their information? Where are they leaning on to get trusted referrals or trusted ideas to? to take care of themselves. We we are based in Fort Collins. That's where our Monday to Friday clinic is at. But we provide services on alternating Saturdays in Denver, Longmont, and Colorado Springs as well. And those are all at no cost. So the second Saturday we're in Denver, the third Saturday we're in Longmont, and the fourth, uh, fourth Saturday we're in Colorado Springs at different uh, VFW posts or American Legion posts. Um, and those are from 9 to 1. First come, first serve. They're shorter sessions. You don't get all the case management that comes with it either, but you get all three modalities on most days in short sessions free.
1: Wow. And it's about getting that word out there. And that's amazing that you reach for those that aren't from Colorado. That's, that's like the Denver Metro area about a, about an hour South of where Chase and I are sitting. Um, But that's great that you're, you're expanding out there with different facilities if we could, and I, and I want to get to the, the, where we're going in the future. We'll put a pin in that for one second. One more, another question I want to have is actually two around suicide. So let's just say your outreach worked. Someone somehow got this veteran sitting in front of someone on your end at Healing Warriors in your office, one of those clinics, whatever you mentioned. Walk us through that. You said the three-pronged approach. I had taken some notes leading up to this episode about... Pardon me. There was a, the number four was in it. Fourfold, fourfold, a fourfold, yeah. So talk us through what what does that look like? You already mentioned one of those kind of you know procedures or treatments therapies. What are you doing for that patient when they show up?
0: So our suicide prevention uh, program is based upon four pillars: strengthening access to care, resourcing for veterans and their families, promoting connectedness and coping. Okay, and so strengthening access to care is all the things we've talked about so far. We're here. We're immediate free, right? And and we're flexible about where we go, meaning the, the clinics in Denver down to the Springs. And so that's how we strengthen access to care. Quickness of appointments, remoteness, uh, remote ability to do intake. So if you needed help immediately and you couldn't come in, we can do remote. Resourcing is providing referrals for things that maybe we don't need, but there are adjunct needs that are impacting your quality of life, whether it's Just stress and not quite suicidal thoughts or or anything like that, but it's stuff that would make your life a little bit easier so it doesn't build up to those more difficult things. Promoting connectedness. Families receive care at no cost, but so do their parents, partners, and spouses. Wow. So that's the core way in which we promote connectedness. You can come in with your trusted loved one and they can receive care, not necessarily with you, but, uh, they can understand what you're going through care wise. I um, mean, we can do a lot of those resourcing and appointments as well with with them. And if you're like a gold star uh, family, that still as well.
1: Talk a little bit about gold star real quick for people that don't know
0: what that means. So uh, gold star would be if you if you lost a family member, if your uh, if your spouse died in action uh, or while in service, the veteran doesn't the service member does not have to be living or even know that you're coming. You just have to be able to prove. That you're married to a veteran, or that you're a parent of a veteran,
1: Chase. That's beautiful that 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 family members can be cared for as well. Because when a veteran is suffering, so let's just use the context of a marriage, their spouse is suffering too. Whether it's because they love them and feel for them, or because they're they're going through a stressful period together to become one, right in the flesh. And the fact that I'm just picturing a, a wife walking in alongside a, a husband, and you know them both being able to get that care literally gets me emotional to think about, but that's beautiful. That's, that's absolutely beautiful.
0: I think the one way that I think I can describe this to, to see why it's important, even though you just did it really, really well, but a lot of us have experienced needing to care for our parents when they've had significant problems. And that is typically a shorter amount of time, right? So picture what that felt like for you, right? I had to do this for, for my dad. Picture what that felt like. That was maybe six months of my life, a year of my life. But think about being married to the to something where significant problems are happening as the caregiver. Now, the caregiver is trying to sacrifice themselves as much as they can to take care of the person that they know is struggling with things that we won't understand or they won't understand or that's outside of their control. Take it from six months to 10 years and how that builds up. And so bringing care in together directly promotes connectedness, but indirectly over time, should hopefully improve the relationship.
1: Yeah, and provides hope, hope as well.
0: The story I'm going to share later, will will share how the, the ripple effects of, of what that looks like. Uh, the last pillar, though, is coping. So I've said this a couple of times in passing. We don't necessarily cure anything. But if you continue to come with us, you can keep a, a lower baseline of stress, anxiety, sleeplessness, pain, emotional discomfort, PTSD symptoms, etc. But you don't see us every day. Typically, you see us once a week, give or take. But we provide coping tools to the veteran and their family members uh, at no cost as well. So most of that is typically these guided imagery um, audio books. So they're roughly about 40 to $50. No tech required. So like my grandpa can plug in a battery and put the headphones in, right? We provide that to them uh, at no cost. Uh, We have aromatherapy inhalers. I don't know if you remember like the little Vicks uh, things that you used to be able to sniff back in the day. No. uh, Anyway, well, when you come visit the office, I'll show you them. But there are these inhalers, the aromatherapy inhalers that help with a variety of symptoms like smoking cessation, queasy stomach, chemo relief, anxiety relief, sleepy, wanting to go to sleep or wanting to wake up. Right. So, again, all non-narcotic natural remedies to help boost those things we have a bunch of other coping mechanisms that's a four pillar approach to suicide prevention for us
1: wow okay have you chase either directly heard of or have any experience with a with a veteran who said it's either you or a colleague i was i was considering suicide and now i'm not
0: because of our care yeah yeah um i, I don't know the full details it was it was um the client that I met after I started the job and he had already been seeing us for uh, a a little bit of time uh, prior to that. Uh, But he he mentioned that how how very, very close he was uh, to doing something drastic, whether that meant suicide, leaving his family, you know, whatever. Uh, But he will say that, and he has said that we've saved his life. And, you know, he's gone on to be an incredibly successful uh, business person. Um, and and still uh supports and engages with us at this time and he was probably years ago when he started
1: my 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 hope and, and even prayer for you Chase and and any of your colleagues that might listen to this is that you don't lose sight of how significant and important and meaningful your work is because to 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 save one life is is something that most people don't get to say that they've done or to have the privilege of, of being involved in and here you are making it your career so thank you for what you do um, because that's incredible, all of it. I, I'd love to hear if you have any other kind of you know, stories or anything about the work you do just to really bring it home and bring color to how important your work is.
0: I like the story. Uh, I like telling it because you hear how we're helping the veteran, and that's inherently clear just based off of our stats. Like, we know we're helping veterans. Um, but what we don't always know, it's really hard to quantify the effects that, the people who are around that veteran are getting, right? How they're affected by their, 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 veteran, their loved ones improvement. I think the estimate is uh, when someone commits suicide, a hundred people are affected directly or indirectly. Right. And so I'm going to tell the story. This is from our uh, prospectus, which I'll talk about when we talk about the future here in a little bit, but this is uh, this little boy had been coming into our clinic with his dad for the past three weeks He was about nine years old and usually had a little toy car or some plastic toy soldiers that he would play with. He would very quietly sit in one of the big chairs in the reception room and use the arms of the chair as his racetrack or the next hill that his soldiers would conquer. We often asked him if he wanted juice, water, or snack, and he would usually say no and just continue playing with the toy. You know, typical shy kid uh, kind of thing, right? But the third visit was different. He had more light in his eyes. He was and he was brave enough to come up to our receptionist, Minor Kelly, and asked again if he could have uh, some water or juice or a snack bar. It was Halloween, and so he much rather preferred the candy bowl. And uh, he let him pick; she let him pick the uh, the candy. Um, and so the boy's father was always the last appointment on that day. And so Minor sat down with them; for so his free time, um, and uh, they pulled some more cars out and, and they started playing with them together. The boy sighed, and he said, and these are quotes, I love the days that my dad comes here. And Minor asked him why. And he said, quote, it's because as soon as we start coming up the stairs to come here, he starts to feel better. I know we're going to go home after his appointment, and it's going to be a good night with my dad. The impact on the veteran on a per-session basis is, is incredibly clear to us. But we don't always get that. We don't the community doesn't understand that we're giving a kid his dad, right? Like I, I I don't know. I don't know how else to to say it.
1: Yeah. The, the, the child's voice says it and that says it all. I mean that, yeah. Thank you for sharing that because that's the stuff you miss. You know, You, you think about if you just, if you allow yourself to stay on the surface and talk about statistics and data and things like that, but the work you're doing is what happens when that person leaves and goes home. And then that impact is, Gen, you know, generational, multifold, multifactor, whatever. But what that person does as a healthy person versus what it looks like to be unhealthy can just change the trajectory of not the, not just that child, but their family, so on and so forth. My own struggle here to try to put words to the significance of what you just shared, but it's clear to me. And and the work you're doing is incredible. And thank you for doing it.
0: The team at Healing Warriors, both are our, our, uh, you know, kind of our day-to-day staff. And then the, the vast majority of folks that are providing the direct services, the direct acupuncture, craniosacral and healing touch are all contractors who are doing this at affordable rates for, for healing warriors so that we can continue to keep it free. They are an incredible, dedicated, caring, understanding um, team. Without their dedication, we're not doing any of this. So let's talk about the future. Healing warriors.
1: Where where are you heading? What are the goals What's next? And I think most importantly, how can anybody support and help that?
0: Yeah. So uh, support is always in in the big three ways, right? Spread the word. Our priority is to make sure that every veteran in our sort of current catchment region knows that we exist. And if they know that we exist from a trusted person, hopefully they'll come and see us, whether virtually or in person. And so outreach, so if you are a veteran or if you know a veteran or if you're a family member of a veteran, call us, 970-776-8387. That's primary one. Let people know that we exist. And, and that's incredibly important because in Larimer County, uh, there's about they estimate about twenty to 22,000 veterans live in Larimer County. In uh, El Paso County, for those that have lived in Colorado longer than I have, I apologize if that's the wrong name, but where Colorado Springs is at, uh, there's 85,000, we'll just say 100,000 veterans in those two counties alone. As of last year, we surpassed our 35,000th appointment over 10 years, which is an incredible amount of appointments. But when you look at it in the scope of 100,000 veterans between two of our biggest counties, not including the Denver metro area, that's barely scratching the surface. Second is if you're an individual and you want to donate to our cause, uh, we would greatly appreciate that um, the, the, film, the form to fill out donations is on the website, again, healingwarriorsprogram.org. So donations are, are always uh, welcome and appreciated. Um, and then if you're an organization that wants to get involved, that wants to host a fundraiser, that wants to give back just in some way, if you are a uh, graphic designer that wants to help us do the next logo or the next apparel thing and want to help out and donate some of that, all of those things make it easier to continue to provide free care. The third one is volunteers in our events. So we have uh, probably anywhere between like 100 and 200 volunteers in our database that that we use uh, to do a variety of different things. But we also have three major events each year. We have a 5K, which is uh, May 19th at Spring Canyon Park in Fort Collins. August 9th, and I just got this date yesterday. August 9th is our uh, fourth annual golf outing at Mariana Butte. In Loveland. Um, and then sometime in the fall, pre-winter will be our gala, uh, which will be our fifth uh, Star Spangled Gala, as, as we call it. And those are our big fundraising events uh, and a big awareness events. Those are the big ways to be involved is uh, outreach, donations, sponsorships, volunteers, and, uh, and the events. The reason why that's important is because we are in our third office, our third building, our third office space, and we've already blown past the seams of that that building. We are this year going to be launching our capital campaign um, to start raising money for our own building and to grow our services in really significant ways. We are making an impact along the front range, but there are people that don't live on the front range that are veterans. There are people who live in other states that are veterans. We are doing something that no one else is doing nationally, at least that we have found. And we want to make sure that our impact is growing with that. Veteran suicide is not just a Colorado problem, it is a national problem. And so how do we push those seams? So we are gonna be launching a capital campaign, hopefully sometime this year, so that we can start fundraising for our own building uh, that we own, that we build, that we renovate, whatever it ends up being, so that we can double, triple, quadruple our services. and and remain viable for decades to come.
1: Yeah. And to reach those people you, you haven't reached yet, whether it's here in Colorado or, and I would even say, you know, if, if, if an episode like this, if it's blessed to reach people outside of Colorado, hopefully something sparks or triggers that people can, you know, replicate this type of program and understand the value in it. So we'll certainly do our part to get the episode out there in front of people. What's the, uh, the
0: website, Chase? Healingwarriorsprogram.org.
1: Healing Warriors program dot org, multiple different ways to get involved and support you and I are going to chat offline about ways that Altum Fitness, uh, can, can help because I'm moved and I'm inspired, man. Anything else you want to cover on this uh, episode, Chase?
0: Uh, the only other thing I, w- I, I would add is if you have a question, if you're not sure about what's, how, how we can help ask the question, fill out the form on the website, call the number again, 970-776, that's V E T S. Um, I responded to an email a uh, week and a half ago about uh, a veteran who was like, I've got this ailment. Will you be able to help me? Um, and and we responded within eight hours, and uh, he got an appointment. Ask the question.
1: Yeah, you never know. You never know. Just ask. You go from there. Chase, Chase Zyke, um, hey, thank you so much for being here. Y- y- your work is beautiful, and we'll get the word out. Healing Warriors, everybody. Chase Zyke, thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Jesse.